0: Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that I'm going to do things a little bit differently than Pastor would, but uh, we're going through uh, the 66 books of the Bible, and he started in the New Testament, and have gone through all of them up to this point. We're now in the uh, some of the general epistles, I guess, and uh, so James is where we're at this evening, and uh, a great little book, uh, but it is it is only five chapters, but it is absolutely packed full of, of good practical information for us as christians and uh not it's much different than a lot of the other epistles much different than a lot of the other books as we'll see as we get into this tonight uh but i, I think you'll really really enjoy this small book and then uh next week uh, when pastor gets back uh there will you guys will be going through first and second peter i believe will be the next two and then first second third john and then uh jude and revelation after that so you're getting close to the end of the new testament and, uh, but I hope that you enjoy this evening, James, and it's known, uh, we're going to see tonight. It's known as the, uh, book of practical, uh, Christianity, uh, book of faith and works. I put that in there. I'm sorry. That, that was my mistake. I put that in there before I finished this up, but, uh, it, it does, it discusses a lot of the faith and works, uh, and, and we'll see here in a minute, but it's not a contradiction, uh, that James is making to the rest of scripture. We see that, that, uh, Salvation is by faith alone. Uh, James is not trying to say that it's faith plus works for salvation, but that our works should demonstrate that we have faith. All right, and so it's just a book of practical Christianity, as we as we'll see and as we get through this tonight. And so we come to the the name of the book. Uh, The name is is put forth in James chapter number one, verse number one. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. And so James uh, says, I, I am the writer, I am James, I am uh, a servant of the uh, of, of, of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's just named after him as he's writing to uh, these 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. And so that's the the, the reason or, or the reason for the name is the person that is writing the book. And uh, we'll see, uh, as we see, Tonight, there's several men that are named, or, or, or the men named James that are mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, one of the, the, I believe, there's four that are actually mentioned, four separate men that are specifically mentioned. One of them we really don't know hardly anything about. He's just mentioned in passing in the book of Luke. Uh, the other two are a little bit more well known. Uh, they are two of the uh, of the 12, uh, 12 disciples, or the the apostles, and uh, so those two are. Mentioned in Matthew chapter ten, verses two through three, we find the whole list of all of the disciples, and uh, we find uh, James the son of Alphaeus and James the brother of John, who is the more well-known, the sons of thunder. And uh, but James, uh, that James was martyred uh, in in the early forties, uh, and so we we don't think that he is the one. But we do find that James, the half brother, the eldest half brother of Jesus Christ. Is also mentioned uh, in Matthew chapter thirteen, verse fifty-five, and of these, it is the most. Uh, he is the most commonly accepted uh, that uh, to be the writer of this epistle. The, the James, the brother of Jesus Christ, and so uh, that is kind of where we go with this. Uh, this James, that James, that we're talking about the half brother of Christ, was not saved during Christ's earthly ministry. Um, you know, we, we you you might might think. Being James, the brother of Jesus, that uh, they would automatically, uh, you know, go into and, and accept the faith that Jesus came here to, uh, the salvation that Jesus came to offer. Uh, but we find actually in uh, in John chapter seven, verse number five, uh, the Bible tells us, "For neither did his brethren believe in him." And so, uh, most of Jesus's brothers did not believe in him while he was here on earth. It took a little while for them to get to that, but. The, this James was not saved during Christ's earthly ministry, as we see there in John chapter 7, but more than likely after Christ's resurrection and appearance to him, and we see that in 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 57. This James was also, uh, he was numbered among the 12 in the upper room uh, in Acts chapter number 1, verse number 14, and, and uh, there they're waiting for uh, the, the Holy Spirit to come down. They're waiting for the day of Pentecost to happen. That is, this is right after the ascension of Jesus Christ and they go to the upper room and we find that Jesus uh, or uh, Jesus's brethren were counted among the 12 or the rest of the, the, the remaining uh, of the disciples that were there in that in that verse. Acts chapter one, verse 14 says these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. And so that's where we find that he was numbered among the 12 in the upper room there uh Peter sought him after his uh after his release from prison in Acts chapter number 12 uh after Peter uh that's what the the passage where the, he comes to the gate and the uh knocks on the door and the the servant girl comes out and uh, she leaves him standing at the gate to go back in and tell him and they don't believe that she's she's telling the truth. They don't believe that Peter got released. They're sitting there having a prayer meeting that he would be released and uh he comes to the door and they won't let him in. And so uh but right after that, Peter uh, goes and he seeks after James. And, uh, and uh, James, uh, as we'll see uh, in here in Acts chapter number 15, becomes a prominent person, a prominent leader in the first church council in Jerusalem. And so uh, all of that is taking place at this time uh, during the persecution time frame. In Acts chapter number 15, James, the, the same James, is one of the ones that helps to write uh, a letter that helps to establish uh, the, uh, the Gentiles uh, that, they, that they are allowed to have and put their faith in Christ for salvation. Uh, at this time, they're, they're still kind of on that. They're still trying to debate that and whether or not the Gentiles are actually, salvation has actually gone to the Gentiles. And so James is one of, those, one of the prominent leaders that helps to bridge that gap between Judaism and Christianity and, and, or Judaism and, and Jews and the Gentiles, and, and helps with that. And so the occasion for the writing, uh, we find that James is writing to the Jewish believers that are living outside of Palestine. We find that here in in verse number one, again, uh, James a servant we've to the Lord uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. And so James is writing to them because of the persecution and because, of the various things that they're dealing with uh, in Jerusalem at this time. Uh, some of it was because of the, the persecution from Saul, uh, who will become Paul, uh, but some of it is just because of the, the, the religious leaders that are persecuting the church and persecuting Christians. There in Acts chapter number eight, we see uh, that Saul was the one who came, and that's right after uh, he had actually put to death and stoned uh, Stephen, who was the first martyr. And, uh, and then the, 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 the rest of the Christians, many of them scattered abroad. And, uh, but we find here that many of these were, were probably those who had been saved on the day of Pentecost. Uh, many of these Christians that are scattered abroad may have come there for the day of Pentecost and gotten saved and had been added to the church there at Jerusalem. But because of the persecution now, they're being scattered out and, and, and they're also going with them they're taking with them just the basics of the Christian faith. Uh, you know, they may not have had a lot of time there to really grow and really be taught and really be able to mature as Christians. So they're leaving with with kind of the, the rudiments of Christianity. They're, they're, they're leaving with the, the basic knowledge of how to get saved, but really not much more than that, maybe. And so that's part of the reason that James is writing this letter, because they were young in their faith. Uh, James backs up his practical teaching with the Old Testament scriptures. And so he's sending this letter to help them establish and become more mature in their faith in Christ. And and as he does that, James eliminated the the doctrinal, uh, the the doctrine and and the doctrinal teaching really from this book. We really don't find a lot of doctrinal or theological uh, discussion or, or teaching going on in this book but it's just very practical. And, and we find that, jo, uh, that Christ is only mentioned twice. He's mentioned here in chapter number one, verse one, uh, James is servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Christ is mentioned in chapter number two, verse number one, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with respect of persons. And those are the only two verses that we find Jesus being mentioned here in this very small, small book. And so James is focusing more on the practical side of Christianity, to help them mature in their faith, and we find that in as you look in, in chapter number one, verse number four, the Bible tells us, uh, "But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing." That word "wanting" means lacking nothing. The word "perfect" means to be complete. It's not that they are going to be sinless. It's not that they are going to be uh, completely holy in their life. None of us can be as human beings. Uh, but they are, they're able to take and have as much as they need to be as complete as they can in their Christian life and in their Christian walk. And we see that, that word being used three different times. chapter one, verse four, chapter two, verse 22. But he says, "Seest thou how faith wrought his, with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And then in chapter three verse two, for in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word. The same is a perfect man, a complete man, and able also to bridle the whole body. And so this idea that, that it's just a, that, that perfect uh, means complete, but it's uh, just this practical side uh, of what they're supposed to do in their walk with God and in their faith and, and how to mature in their faith. And so that is the occasion for the writing. We find some of the contents then, Uh, And and this epistle encourages believers to be patient in trials and persecutions, to be doers of the word and not hearers only, and to practice what they preach. We find most of that here in chapter number one, and, uh, you know, that that we are to have a a faith or to be patient in the person that, you know, they are, they're dealing with suffering, they're dealing with persecutions, they're dealing with trials because of the fact that they are being persecuted by uh, the Jewish religious leaders and and, and people that don't want to see. And and even beyond that, I mean, Rome is persecuting them as well, uh, but they are going through these different things. And so part of this, the first half of chapter number one really is dealing with having patience in all of that and, and asking God for wisdom, asking God for the ability to go through those things. But then he switches and he says, look, but you've got to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We find that in verse 22 uh, because that's going to be deceiving your own selves. Basically, he's saying practice what you preach. Don't come to church. Don't don't, don't go and read your Bible and see what you need and see what you need to be doing in your life and not do anything with it. Uh, Don't just hear. Don't just see the truth, but do something with it. And so we find this, this uh, idea of not just faith, but the works that back up the faith we say that we have. And so the theme of faith and works we see surface repeatedly uh, and James presents these subjects not as conflicting values, but as complementary values. Uh, James is not trying to uh, you know, be confusing. He's not trying to uh, contradict what the rest of the Bible teaches that Uh, salvation is by faith alone, right? That is very clear in scripture. That is not what James is talking about here, but James and Paul, they don't contradict each other. They complement each other. Say we are justified. The word justified means to be declared righteous. We are justified before God by faith. We're declared righteous before God by faith, but we are justified before men by our works. See, We as human beings, whether we like it or not, we tend to judge each other. We tend to look at somebody and we immediately pass judgment on them based on how they look, based on what they're wearing, based on what maybe it looks like their lifestyle has been. Maybe, uh, you know, what kind of a family background they're from, whatever it may be, you know, cultural. Uh, We we just tend to be that way. And whether we, we mean anything wrong by it or not is not necessarily the issue. But we're just beings that do that. We see people and we immediately start thinking, okay, what about this? What about that? What about that? Right? Am I the only sinful person here in this room? Okay. We do that, right? Uh, and, and that's what James is, is getting at. Look, we are, we are declared righteous by God or before God by faith. But before men, it's based on our works. It's based on what we do. It's based on what people can tangibly see. right. And and so the things that we do, again, whether we like it or not, is going to to bring a passing judgment from people upon us. People are going to see us and they're going to come to a conclusion about us based on what they are seeing. And, And that's just the way that it's going to be. That's the way human beings are. And so men should be able to see by our works that our faith is changing us to be more like Christ. And that's what James is trying to get at here. It's not that we are saved by our works, but that our works should be demonstrating the faith that we have already placed in Christ for salvation. As we change, as we become more and more like Christ, people should see that on the outside. Right? Uh, Jesus said that, that by, uh, out, of the, out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh people aren't going to know what's in our heart until we start talking then they know right uh in in, in the book of 1 Samuel we, we see when David was about to be anointed king God's uh, God said to Samuel God looks on the uh, uh, man looks on the outward appearance but God looks on the heart and so God's the only one that can see inside so man is going to look on the outward he is going to judge based on what he can see and that's what we're getting here so and we find the character of the book is just practical in its nature. Uh, th- there's very little theology or doctrine, but rather practical truth on how to live out your faith. It contains echoes and references to the Sermon on the Mount and the book of Proverbs, both of which are practical in nature. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is, is speaking, and, and the very beginning of that, he starts off with, blessed uh, are the pure in heart, and blessed are they that do this, and blessed are they to do that. And, and, you know, he goes through several different things and, and, and then for several chapters, he's just giving some practical uh, teaching, some practical knowledge for the people. We find that all throughout the book of Proverbs, just, just these practical, everyday truths for us to live by. And so that's kind of what James uh, is going off of as well. It's very, very reminiscent of, very similar to. Because James, uh, this is not in your notes, because James is less theological than any other New Testament book, and because of his stress on works as proof uh, one th- as, as proof that one has faith, some have ruled that this epistle should not even be part of Scripture. Uh, some people think that the book of James, because there's not really much mention of Christ, there's not really hardly any mention of God, uh, there's not any real theological or doctrinal discussion going on, that it's really not a, a, a biblical book. Um, one example of this, Martin Luther, for example, rejected it, calling it a strawy or a chaffy epistle, uh, just that it was not, didn't have any basis. It didn't have any, um, any substance to it. Uh, and yet the seeming opposition to this book is, is really because of James's use of the term justification by works. We see that in in chapter number two. If you'll you'll turn there, if you've got your Bibles open, look at chapter number two. Look at verse number 20. Because we're going to see a difference between what what James says here. He's he's talking about justification by works, uh, and it's not salvation by works, it's what we've already been talking about. But Paul said in, in the book of Romans, it's justification by faith. And so. Some people look at those two things, and they immediately think that James is contradicting, and so therefore it should not be a biblical book either. Look at James chapter 2, verse 20. The Bible says, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by his works was faith made perfect, complete? And the scripture uh, was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God and it was imputed or counted to him for righteousness and was fulfilled. uh, 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 And he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And so, you know, James uses and gives us a couple illustrations here, Abraham and Rahab, that these people, the Bible very clearly says they were justified by faith. They're in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith uh, for their faith in God. So obviously this is not speaking of their works were justifying them, but they demonstrated their faith in God by what they did. Abraham justified or, or demonstrated it by going to another country he demonstrated it by sacrificing or was willing to sacrifice his only son Isaac Rahab did that by allowing uh, by hiding the messengers and then sending them out safely another way at Jericho and her whole family was saved and and ultimately she's in the line of the lineage of Christ and so two of these people but in Romans chapter 3 verse 28 we see Paul said therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law But Paul emphasized the same truth as James, okay? Salvation is by faith apart from works, but one works to prove that he has faith. That's what both of these men are teaching and trying to get at. They're just going at it two different ways. The evidence of salvation or life in Christ, according to Paul, is a walk of faith or separation. Uh, We see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, "...for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus." Unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Well, guess what? That comes right after Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay, so it's not stating that we are justified by works, but that the works should should demonstrate the justification that we have. Um, Also, he says in Titus 3, 8, Paul says this, this is a faithful saying, and these things... I will that thou affirm constantly they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. And James put it this way in in chapter 2, verse 26, faith without works is dead. We've seen that already. And and so uh, James and Paul are, are working together. There's no conflict between these two men. The works of James are not the works of Paul, nor are they talking about the same faith. For James, the work of the Christian life are the works of mercy, not the works of the law, of which Paul speaks. Paul is speaking of the Christian faith and Jewish works, while James is speaking of the Jewish faith and the Christian works. Paul is doctrinal, while James is practical. They're going at it the same thing. They're saying the same thing, but they're going at it from two different ways. If you look at Paul's ministry, he was focused on reaching who? Gentiles. Gentiles. OK, he started with the Jews, but when the Jews rejected, he took the, the faith to the abroad nations. He took the, the, the gospel to the Gentiles. And that's where part of that conflict was that we find in, in the book of Acts, uh, because they were not agreeing with what Paul was doing. OK, but James's focus is on reaching. He's not opposed to reaching the Gentiles. In fact, he's the one in Acts chapter 15 that helps to bridge that gap between Jews and Gentiles but James is focusing more on reaching the Christian people or, or the Jewish people to, to, uh, with the gospel of Christ, okay? And so they're having to, to go at the same thing, but they're dealing with the, the same thing in different ways because of who they're dealing with, all right? And so uh, there's no conflict here, but they're, they're working together, they're going at it the same way. The subject of the book of James is to teach us that saving faith will manifest itself by good works. We see that in James chapter 2, verse 14. The Bible says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Well, does it or does it not? What's the answer to the question? What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him. If you you think about, if you think about faith in Christ for salvation, all right, there's belief and then there's faith. Believing in God is very different from putting your faith in God. The devil, the Bible says the devils believe and tremble. They believe in God, but they tremble. Faith is demonstrated by an obedience. It's demonstrated by an action. All right. If I say a chair can hold me up, we, we use this illustration all the time for salvation. If I say this chair can hold me up, just as I say Jesus or God can save me. All right. What do I have to do to demonstrate to you that this faith that this chair is able to do that? You've got to sit in it. There's got to be an action performed. OK, that's what James is saying here in, in his book. Faith without works, faith without a demonstration, is dead, being alone. Okay, it's got to have both. And and I've got a couple quotes here in just a minute, we'll see, that go right along with this. And so they teach us, the subject is to teach us that faith will manifest itself by good works. But the purpose is to challenge believers that we must be living our faith. We've got to be living it out. It is not enough to simply say that we have faith, but to show our faith by demonstrating the, what God is doing in our lives. We use, uh, again, we use an illustration for salvation sometimes, uh, but the lights, uh, you know, light switch, we all understand if you flip a light switch, if there's electricity going to it, what's going to happen? The light's going to go on or off, depending on which way you flip the switch, correct? Okay. A lot of people use the, the electricity as, as the, the the Holy Spirit or as Jesus Christ that, that He is the power behind it But it takes it really every time we flip a light switch we're exhibiting faith Are we not? I don't need the lights to going on and off. All right. Every time we flip a light switch, we are in a in a sense, we are exhibiting faith that the lights are gonna come on. Right? But there's but there's a power behind that that we cannot necessarily see, right? Even if you're looking at the electrical wire, you can't see the electricity flowing through it, okay? And, and so the, the same is true here of our faith, that there's got to be a, a demonstration. We've got to live it out. It's not enough just to say that I believe in God or that I, I have faith or that I'm a Christian, Right? Our life has to be similar to turning on and off the light switch. It's got to be something that somebody can see based on on what we are doing. They can see the power of God upon our lives, right? That it's flowing through us just like it flows uh, through to the light bulbs. And and so here's just a basic outline then as well. Uh, We see, number one, that there's uh, the essentials for mature living. We find that in chapter number one, that there's the wisdom of God. There's the goodness of God. And then there's the word of God. Those are three essentials uh, that we find in uh, the book of James in chapter number one. In chapter number two, we see that uh, that faith is at work against partiality in the first half of the chapter, verses one through 13. uh, Talk about having no respecter of persons. Uh, If a a man in in goodly apparel comes in, you you see him at the head of the table. But if a man in, in not so good apparel comes in, what do you do? The illustration there is that in biblical times, sometimes they would put him at the footstool or they put him on the ground and he'd basically eat the scraps that are left over. And James is saying, look, if you've got true faith, if you're demonstrating it, it's going to be demonstrated by not having partiality, by not showing favoritism based on what we see on the outward. Right. But don't we do that sometimes in our lives when we're giving the gospel? Don't we look at people sometimes and we immediately pass judgment and we immediately think to ourselves, that person doesn't even deserve the gospel. We don't outwardly say that. Why? Because people look at us like, really? But we think it all the time. You know, you you come to a a guy, uh, he's riding a motorcycle and he's, you know, in leathers and he's six and a half feet tall and tattooed from, from head to toe And, you know, he just looks like if you talk to him, he's going to rip your head off, right? And so we don't talk to him. Very rarely do we go up to people like that, right? And in a sense, we are doing exactly what James is talking about in chapter 2. We're showing partiality. We're being a respecter of persons. The gospel is for all mankind, and God loves everyone and wants everyone to be saved. So why should we pass judgment? Why should we be a respecter of persons? Why should we show partiality? And so faith is at work against partiality in the first part of James 2. But then in, in the last part of James chapter 2 is where we see that works, they are the proof of faith. And James is talking there about that faith without works is dead being alone. So we've got to demonstrate, we've got to do some things to demonstrate our faith to demonstrate that we are a child of god that god is at work in our lives Uh, number four we see that faith is at work to control the tongue we see that all through chapter number three we see several uh physical illustrations given much like uh, some of the illustrations that jesus used as he uh, taught from parables and he used thing tangible objects or tangible things that they could understand so james is using some of those illustrations and much like in the book of proverbs we find some of the same types of things And so we see that faith is at work to control the tongue. Uh, There's there's an old proverb that says, Of your unspoken words, you are the master. Of your spoken words, the servant. Of the written word, the slave. And how true that is, that look, as as we speak, whether it's spoken, uh, whether it's just a thought, or, or whether it's something that we actually write down, guess what, they all have consequences. Uh, and Bible tells us that we'll be judged for not only the things that come out, but even the, the thoughts that go through our minds. And, and uh, you know, God knows everything. And uh, in our day and time, we do a lot of, of writing of things down. Uh, we do a lot of posting on social media. We put a lot of our words out there. And guess what? Once it's posted, it ain't coming back. Okay, and we've got to be very careful of not only the things that we are thinking, but the things that we're saying, but also the things that we're publishing, the things that we're writing down, and, and, and how true that quote is. Number five, we see that there's faith at work against worldliness and strife in chapter number four. And here's a couple of other great quotes for us. Uh, look at James chapter four if you're still there. Uh, look at verse number... Um, Let's start verse number one. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come, that, come they not hence? Even, uh, even, fr- even from your lust that ye have in your members. You lust and have not. You kill and you desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, uh, yet you ye have, you ye have not, because you ask not. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity uh, with God? Whosoever therefore, because If we're a friend of the world, we're at enmity with God. Therefore, uh, we'll be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And uh, that's pretty strong. That's pretty harsh, uh, but very true. And, And James is trying to get these believers to see that, look, you can't have it both ways. You can't be a child of God and be following God and yet be a friend and a follower of the things the world has can't have it both ways. Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon, right? Uh, In the book of Revelation, it says that we have become lukewarm. It's the same idea. You can't have both. You can't sit on the fence, okay? You've got to, God said, I I would rather you be cold or hot, but not lukewarm, not in the middle. I'd rather you be completely on the opposite side of me or be completely for me, but don't be in the middle. That's what makes me sick, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. He says, it's going to make me sick to my stomach. Uh, and, and so, you know, as we think about faith against worldliness and strife, uh, Harold Lenzel said, it is right for the church to be in the world. It is wrong for the world to be in the church. A boat in the water is good. That is what boats are for. However, water inside the boat causes it to sink. I think that's pretty easy thing to understand but we allow the world into the church all the time. We allow the world into our lives all the time. And and what James is trying to get us to see is, look, friendship with the world and friendship with God, they don't coexist. Okay, Friendship with the world means that you are the enemy of God. You are an enmity with him. Okay, And so uh, A.W. Tozer said this, A whole new generation of Christians has come up believing that it is possible to accept Christ without forsaking the world. And, uh, and you can't have it both ways. You know, uh, some, some, you know I, I believe that people can get saved uh, and maybe not ever grow in their life. I do believe that is possible, but, you know, there should be a demonstration. There should be a knowledge of once the Holy Spirit comes and resides in us, that the things that I was doing, I should not be doing anymore. Okay. Uh, we've been talking about the teenager, with the teenagers in the book of Ephesians, and there's the put off the old man and put on the new man, right? The old man is created after uh, unrighteousness. The new man is, needs to be created after righteousness and holiness in God. We put off and we put on. We've got to change. We've got to be different, okay? Uh, number six, we see admonitions for a working faith in chapter number five, uh, and that's uh, faith during affliction. Faith that works through prayer and faith that restores a brother in, in chapter number five. And so that's just a basic outline. Uh, there are many different outlines for the book of James, many different ways of looking at it. Uh, but I think most of them are, are pretty comparable as far as what the message is, if, we, if you boil it down. And so uh, there's the outline. The writer uh, is James. I, I, I got to this pastor, gave me his outline and uh, um, or, or his Formula for doing this that he's been doing, so it's kind of cohesive. And uh, I filled out the James part up at the top uh, about the book, uh, much about the writer. And so refer back to the first part of this outline if you need more information about James, okay? Uh, I just didn't even look at it until I got down there, and then I had already printed off the outline. So uh, when and where was this written? It was written around AD 45. Uh, and it was written from Jerusalem to the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad. Uh, we think it's early in the in, early in AD 40 somewhere uh, based upon this. Uh, there's no references to Gentiles. So it's assumed that James wrote that book before the Jerusalem Council, uh, which wrote uh, that that document that kind of made the, the salvation by faith applicable for Jews and Gentiles. And so because there's no mention of Gentiles in the book, it probably happened before that took place. Uh, and that took place, I believe it's, it's traditional for the, the um, Jerusalem Councils in AD 48. Uh, so it would have had to have been earlier on uh, before that. And so about AD 45 in Jerusalem. Uh, and, and so uh, before the Jerusalem Council in which he made Gentiles equal with the Jews in the matter of salvation by faith. Key chapters, uh, key chapters, chapter number two. uh, And we see that because it gives us the test of faith. Uh, It talks about, uh, you know, the the faith without works is dead. And so that's the main that's that's basically what he's trying to get across here. We see a couple of key verses. Chapter number two, verse 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And James 2.26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And so. Uh, again, going right through this, that, that the test of our faith, that faith uh, needs to have some demonstration. It needs to have some works so that people can see what's going on in our lives. Key words then, what do you think they are? Faith and works, very good. Faith we see 12 times in the book. Works we see 10 times in the book. Uh, there, are, there are others that are mentioned multiple times, but those go right along with the theme and, and the, the principles of the book. The key phrase Uh, is in chapter number 1 verse 22 actually be doers of the word and not hearers only so uh, it goes right along with the thought of uh, we need to be exemplifying we need to be an example of our faith we need to be showing it uh, how can we do that be doers of the word and not hearers only don't just hear it apply it and let it change you let it be worked out in the outward living of our lives spiritual thought from the book of james i'm sorry key thought uh, is the practice of faith. Uh, we need to be practicing it every single day. We need to be working it out. Uh, we need to be demonstrating it and showing it. And that reads into our spiritual thought for this book as well, which is to prove your faith in your life. Prove it. Demonstrate it. Be a doer of the word and not hearers only. Don't be, as what James associated, don't be an adulterer or an adulteress uh, between God and the world. Uh, but allow your life to be wholly given after Christ. All right? Work it out. Prove your faith. We see also in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, the Bible says, uh, and Paul is writing to the Philippians, he says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Demonstrate it. Show it. Okay? For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is working in us. He's performing his will. He's trying to accomplish his plan and his purpose in our lives. Why should we not demonstrate it? Why should we not show it forth to those that can see it? All right? That's how we're going to show. That's how people are going to see the gospel. All right? Some people say that your life is the only gospel some people will ever read or hear. Your life, your testimony, what you do, right? Now, that should not be the only thing because as we come in contact, we should be sharing the gospel. We should be telling other people of Christ. But it might start because they see something different in you that they don't see in the rest of the world. And we do that by demonstrating the faith that we have. Here's some, uh, uh, Here's uh, what is Christ as seen as. He's seen as the Lord who draws nigh to us. So look at James chapter 4, verses 6-8. through 8. The Bible says, but he giveth more grace. Uh, wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. That reminded me of, of, of the verse, I, I believe it's in Chronicles, where we're to, uh, if we're going to have revival that it's going to start with us right here in God's house with God's people repenting of their sin, does it not? Uh, We are going to have to humble ourselves. We are going to have to ask for forgiveness. We're going to have to get right before we can help other people get right and and know who God is. And so uh, Christ is seen as the Lord who draws nigh. Look, if we will draw nigh to him, the promise is is he will draw nigh to us. Uh, What a tremendous thought what a tremendous principle for us that all we have to do is we have to initiate we have to demonstrate we want a relationship we have to start it but god says look if you start it i'm going to finish it you draw an eye to me i will draw an eye to you cleanse your hands purify your hearts make yourself right and the relationship the fellowship with god will be good right uh, J- David said it this way: "Taste and see that the Lord is good." Uh, as we taste, as we go after the Lord, as we follow after Him, guess what? God's going to demonstrate that He's good to us, and, and He will draw nigh to us. Here's some uniqueness, uh, or some of the unique things about the Book of James. Uh, many do refer to James as the Proverbs of the New Testament, uh, much because of its its practical nature, but. Uh, As you go through the book of James, as you read through this, I hope that you have read through this. If not, you can read through it this week. It doesn't take very long to read through the entire book. Uh, But as you're reading through it, sometimes it seems like James is talking about a subject, and then without notice, he flips gears completely and is on a totally different subject or a totally different topic. Uh, And then sometimes he comes right back to the original topic. And you see that all throughout the book of Proverbs, too. There's not really... In some cases, there's not really a context in Proverbs a lot of times. Uh, it might have a context for two or three verses, but that's about it. Uh, there's so many just applicable truths that are, you can just pull out by verse by verse by verse. And James is a lot that way. Uh, it is filled with marks of true religion and false profession. It is entirely different in the way it is written from all, other, uh, from all the other epistles as well. Um, just the, the language in that it's written. Uh, it, its general style is more like a prophet of the Old Testament than, that, than an apostle of the New Testament. Um, just the way that he approaches things, even the way that he, he said, you adulterers and adulteresses, knowing not that friendship with the world is enmity with God, a, that's like a condemnation from, 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 from one of the major prophets as they're denouncing judgment upon Israel. And so, uh, you know, he just takes a different style, a different approach to it, We see that Jesus Christ is only mentioned twice in the book. Uh, That's very different from most of the other epistles that we see. Usually Jesus or or the gospel of Jesus Christ is much of the focus uh, or at least uh, a major theme throughout the books. Uh, There's no traditional apostolic greeting or benediction as in most of the other epistles. Uh, James just jumps right in. He says, I'm James, a servant of God, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm writing to the twelve tribes that are scattered abroad. He doesn't really give much about himself. He doesn't say much more than that. And he just jumps in and goes. Uh, And so it's very different from a lot of the other books or a lot of the books that Paul writes or or even some you'll see like with with, uh, Peter and with John. Uh, So it's very, very different in that way. Uh, But while all this is very different, the book is regarded as that connecting link, as that uh, joining link between Judaism and Christianity. Uh, you know, James was instrumental in that. James was, was very, uh, very much one of the main people that helped to bring about and helped even people like Paul and Peter see that it's not just about Jews and it's not just about Gentiles, that God loves all mankind. And, and both of them took advice and, and, and training from James uh, in, in the book of Acts. And so uh, James is a very important book. It, it's very thought out. It's very complete, uh, but yet it's, it's individual as well. It's just very different in the way it's approached. Uh, but I hope that you see tonight that, you know, the, the main thing that he's trying to get across is that, hey, don't, don't be hypocritical. Don't be somebody that says, hey, I'm a Christian. Hey, I go to church. Hey, I, I do this. Hey, I do that. But then once we leave these doors, once we leave this place, our lifestyle and who we are is completely different. You know, there's a lot of people that come to church on Sunday and you wouldn't recognize them Monday through Saturday. Because of the way they live, because of who they hang out with, because of the things that they do. And that's what James is getting at here is that, hey, don't say that you're, you know, don't be a, a hearer of the word only. Be a doer. Allow God's word to transform who you are and make a real difference in your life. Um, if there's one picture in the book of James that I just love, that he used a lot of uh, physical things, tangible things, is in James chapter 1. He says, uh, the, the person who looks into the perfect law of liberty, beholding himself as a natural uh, man, as a natural face in the glass, as, a, as in a mirror. He says, look, that person, as he looks into the perfect law of liberty, into God's word, don't be a, a forgetful hearer, but be a doer of the word. Okay. Don't look in, you know, we look in a mirror every single day, don't we? Does anybody not look in the mirror today? A couple of you, all right? A couple of you, you little, you little guys. Uh, look, we look in the mirror all the time. You know, we want to make sure that we look presentable. We want to make sure that we're, we're, we're dressed the right way, that we've got our hair done, if we've got hair. Uh, you know, those kinds of things. We want to make sure that, uh, you know, our, our sorry guy. Uh, you know, that all these things are, are all in order, Right? We look in the mirror, but James is saying, look, if we look into God's word or we hear teaching from the Bible and we know what we're supposed to do, but we go out and we don't do it, that's like looking in the mirror and say, seeing, hey, I've got like, you know, milk on the sides of my mouth from last night, you know, or, or I brushed my teeth this morning and I've got um, toothpaste on the outside of my mouth over here and you know, my hair's all every other which way because I haven't combed or done anything with it. Uh, you know, my, my, my clothes don't match. There, there's no rhyme or reason to me. And we just look at it and we go, huh. And away we go, you know, we're, we're just out to the races. James says, look, that's what it's like when you look into God's word and you don't change. You don't demonstrate the faith that you have. He wants us to look into the perfect law of liberty and be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. Look in the mirror. See what God's word is saying to you and change and be different. Let God's word change you from the inside out. That you'll adopt the relationship with God. That you'll have a true uh, relationship with God in your heart. And that from that, all of the outward appearance, all of the outward things just takes care of itself. Because as I live, I'm living based on the relationship that I have with Christ, and I'm living to please him in all things that I do. And that's what James is trying to get at. Look, be a doer of the word and not hearers only. Work out your faith. Demonstrate it to other people so they can see God in you. And I hope that you will do that this week. Uh, just a reminder for next week, uh, you'll be in the book of First and 2 Peter. I believe there's eight chapters in those two, between those two books. So if you read a couple chapters a day, you get done in advance. You could probably leave, read both books a couple of times if you wanted to uh, multiply it and divide it out or whatever you want to do and, and, uh, and do that. Um, but uh, be ready for that. Be reading it ahead of time. So when pastor uh, presents, you got a little bit of an idea what's going on. And uh, just a reminder about Saturday, if you can go out.